Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 18 of Just a Chat With. I'm Andrew Doby. If this is your first listen, Just a Chat With is a podcast series where we talk about branding and creativity with the world's best in class. In the last episode, we sat down with Darlene Vogel, who is an actress well known for her very first role as Spike a member of Griff's hoverboard gang in the movie Back to the Future 2. We talked about the movie, of course, but also her career um, in, in the movie industry. And we also had a surprise host stumble into the in during the middle of the show, my son Finlay, who actually had better questions than I did. So if you haven't checked that out, please do already. Before that, uh, we had president and co-founder, and sorry, founder of Fantasy Interactive, David Martin, David and his team have worked with some of the world's biggest brands, including Netflix, Google, Facebook, and Huawei. He also told us about how he used to fly himself to work every day. He had plenty of great stories and some really great insights from David, so go check that out. Before that, we had digital artist Ben Radcliffe on the show, Design Matters podcast host and author Debbie Millman, world-renowned designer Michael Wolfe, and brand legend Martin Neumeyer, and many, many more. So if you haven't checked those out, please do. But today I'm very, very excited um, as we have none other than Alexandra Watkins, uh, who is the author and an author and leading authority on brand naming. If you've ever eaten a Wendy's Baconator, you have literally eaten the words of our next guest. Alexandra is the chief executive boss lady at Eat My Words, a brand naming firm based in San Diego, California. Alexandra's book, Hello, My Name is Awesome, How to Create Brand Names That Stick, was named as one of the top 10 marketing books by Inc. Magazine and proudly sits on my shelf as one of my all-time favorites. Since 2005, Alexandra and her firm have created brand names for hundreds of clients, including Amazon, Coca-Cola, Disney, Gap, Twitter, and Xerox. Alexandra is also a popular speaker, delighting audience, audiences sorry, at Startup Grind, Endeavor, Collision and LA Tech Week. She's also had the pleasure of speaking to MBA students, lecturing at institutions such as Stanford University, the University of California at Berkeley, the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth, and many more. And prior to running her own agency, Alexandra was an advertising copywriter working at leading West Coast ad agencies, including Ogilvy & Mather, where she helped launch Microsoft Windows. In your free time, Alexandra creates imaginative succulent arrangements in bird cages, teapots, and other interesting containers she finds by scouring the local flea markets in San Diego. She works out of her San Diego pool house, where she's been chained to her desk for the last six months, as have we all, <laughs> uh, creating a fun new online course um, on how to create super sticky brand names. Alexandra, thanks so much for being here and welcome. How Thank are you? you? I'm good. Is your son going to make a guest appearance? I want to know what his questions are for me. I, I know. I was actually, you know, first of all, I was like, oh no, what are you doing? And then I was like, wait a minute, this, this, this is, this is, this is, these are better questions. So before <laughs> I came up this evening, I'm, I kind of went down, are you going to come in? Are you coming in tonight? So, um, so we, we never know. We'll wait and see. He might appear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How are things been going with you? How have you found the last few months of uh, upside down world? Well, I've been okay. I think that as soon as I saw the writing on the wall, which was pretty like in February, I knew that my business would take a hit because when uh, the times are tough, people don't want to pay for a name or they don't want to pay. They can't afford our full service naming. So that's why 
I decided mm. to create an online course and I knew I would have plenty of time to do so, which I did. And it was really fun to put together and I just launched it uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah, so no, I'm no, so glad no, it's no. finally done. I think that's a, I think that's a great thing. I've watched a lot of businesses that have been service-based businesses go off and do a very similar approach recently. And I think it's a very smart move. Um, and I think often, I don't know about you, but often people have this in the back of their, their to-do list that they're going to create these courses. And I think for a lot of people, what, what this time during COVID has done has allowed you to, to do that. And so can you share, um, I suppose, first of all, for our listeners, can you let them know a little bit about the course and, and what, you know, what they can learn from it? Sure. It's called How to Create Super Sticky Brand Names That Attract Customers and Get Sales. Mm -hmm. And it is like my book on steroids and Technicolor. As you can see behind me, I'm really into design and I designed all of the all of the presentations. There's, I think, 35 lessons in all, wow. everything from there's 10 awesome brainstorming lessons that teaches you everything from how to coin names to how to mine the internet to get really good ideas. Mm -hmm. I also have a whole module on name changes because so many people launch their company and then realize that their name is problematic and troublesome. Yeah. So I do this whole, you know, like four big lessons on name changes. There's a whole um, downloadable spreadsheet that people can have of all the things that you need to change your name on just so you don't yeah. miss anything when you relaunch. Um, I teach people best practices. I give them a filter on how to evaluate names to make sure mm -hmm. that you're choosing one that's really strong. So, and it's really, really fun. Uh, everything I do, again, if you look behind me, you can see I like there's a pink refrigerator. That's where I keep my books and you can see my crazy skateboard and that's a sofa made out of stuffed animals. So if you can imagine that that's how I, how the course is, it's like yeah. fun and colorful and lots of eye candy and like really interesting. It's not, I get really bored learning. So yeah. I wanted to make a course that wasn't boring and there's not a dull moment and there's like exercises that you do. It's, it's really fun. And people that have taken it have gotten so much more out of it than, I mean, my book, you get a lot out of, but the course, it just takes it up 10 notches because you're engaging in exercises yeah. and really learning a lot more. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, I, I'm delighted to, to, you know, to be talking with you today. And for our listeners, you know, um, I kind of mentioned earlier on that, that Alexandra's book is, is one of my favorite all-time books for, for branding. And, you know, for, for anyone that works in branding, they'll often tell you that, that naming is one of the most challenging things to do. You know, it's, it, can, it can be one of the most fun and enjoyable things to do when you crack it, but very difficult. And every time that at Made Brave, when, when we go to, to name something, and whether that's for, for our business or for our clients, if I'm involved in that, I go off and I read your book and I spend, it usually takes me about two nights. It doesn't take long and it's a really enjoyable read. Um, and, and I go off and do it and I use that as a refresher every time. I go and create a name and everywhere, every time I go and talk, I mention your book and I'm a big, um, a, a big fanboy of this book. Um, so I suppose, you know, could, could you give everyone a little bit of an insight into, you know, how, how did you end up niching on just brand names? Because you're a copywriter, you worked in the ad industry initially. How did you decide and choose to just work in naming? Well, when I was a copywriter, Every once in a while, I would get thrown a bone and get to name something, and I love naming, and I was really good at it, but I didn't know that naming was a profession because in advertising, naming isn't part of advertising at all. It's just every once in a while, a client 
would say like, oh, we need a name for this new car model, but it wasn't taken as a serious project because naming comes at the beginning and it's part of branding where advertising comes at the end and they're not, they don't really ever intersect. So by the time I discovered naming was a profession, I had already been a copywriter for about 15 years. So that's what I decided I wanted to do. So I switched gears and just reinvented myself as a namer. And people said, you can't make a living just naming things. <laughs> I said, watch me. Watch this. And, yeah. you know, now I have, yeah, now I, I did. And I have a book and I've worked with all these big companies and I've named so many things. So I just was uh, really committed to it. And yeah. I'm so glad that I, I stuck with it and did it. And how did you initially get into writing? So where where did that where did your career start in that sense? I think my my parents were both authors, so that that, that helps. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> so I was always, you know, I like the one class that I always excelled in in school was English. That's mm. where I just always got an A. And I loved it and I looked forward to it. So I already knew, I knew when I was in eighth grade, I knew I wanted to be in advertising. I discovered it really when I was very young. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of set my sights on that. And I convinced my parents to let me skip college because I didn't need to figure out what I wanted to do. I already knew. So through a series of um, creative things I did, I was able to talk my way into a job at Ogilvy. So mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of start out in life without student loan debt, which was really nice. That's always a help as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, and at Ogilvy, what kind of projects were you involved in there? You know, how, and how long did you spend there? Oh, it was awesome. I, I was there for five years. I waited until I vested, and which was a smart thing to do because now that little tiny sum of money has grown, has grown uh, my pension that I, we used to get pensions here in the States. Mm-hmm. The clients we work with were amazing. Like, you know, American express and like huge, you know, mighty dog, which is a big pet food brand and Microsoft, you know, helped launch windows. So it was just exciting to be able to work on all these big brands. Yeah. Yeah. And and so you, you, you while you were at, um, sorry, Ogilvy, you, you also worked on the launch of window, Microsoft Windows as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and can you give us a little bit of insight into that kind of project and kind of what was involved for someone who's a writer? Well, I think what was, I mean, God, it was so long ago. I think what I remember about Windows more than anything is we were all working on Macs in the agency. <laughs> and it was just like, God, this is such a ripoff of Mac, right? Everything <laughs> about Windows was a total ripoff. So it, to be honest, wasn't a pleasurable experience because it sure. just felt so wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I, and and so, you know, so, so, so tell me where, from, from leaving Ogilvy then, you know, where, where was your next career move and how did you kind of, how did you end up, you know, kind of working for yourself and kind of becoming a copywriter and, and, and ending up, you know, where you are today? Uh, well, it's kind of a long trajectory, but I, I ended up moving, I was at Ogilvy. I worked in four different offices, LA, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, it kind of bounced back and forth. And I ended up in San Francisco permanently, worked for a couple agencies there. And then when the dot-com boom hit, Mm -hmm. I, I was traveling 
a lot. And I wanted for myself, I, I've been to 50 countries. And at wow. that time, I hadn't been to that many. And I wanted more vacation time. And I already had three weeks vacation, which in the States is a lot. We only get two weeks. Yeah. And I asked if I could buy an additional week. And they said no. And I had a good job. That was, I mean, that was, gosh, 25 years ago. And I had a cushy six-figure job. But I quit. So I quit to go freelance. And that was right when the dot-com gravy train was starting to take off. And so it was really easy to get copywriting projects mm. because so many people were writing websites. So yeah. I would, you know, take a six month, six week gig, writing a website, then go travel for two weeks in Europe or wherever and come back. So just go back and forth. And then when the, and I made more money, I made twice as much freelancing and taking all that vacation that I did at an agency where I was well-paid. So that was like a no brainer. Yeah. And then when the dot-com gravy chain crashed in my backyard, <laughs> I, I took a year off and I went traveling in Australia, Bali, Fiji, and New Zealand. And when I came back, that's when I was like, you know what? I don't want to write websites anymore. I don't want to work on technology clients, you know, tech stuff. I yeah. want, so I looked through my portfolio and I had a lot of food and beverage experience. Mm. So I decided that's what I was going to focus on. And I decided to name my rebrand instead of just being Alexandra Watkins to have a company name, eat my words. Um, and I started out naming lots of things that make people fat and drunk. Thus, I mean, eat my words. And so I started just doing a lot of food and beverage work. Yeah. First, just copy, copywriting and some naming, and then eventually just all names and taglines. Mm -hmm. And then I, I brought in my scope because uh, a mentor of mine who worked at Landor said, if you can name potato chips, you can name microchips, you know, you're using the same skill set. Yeah. So now I name everything. It, it's up, it's up pharmaceuticals. We don't do drugs that eat my words. <laughs> it's Diet Coke. And this isn't a cocktail, by the way, this is just water with some colored flavoring. Um, I, be I believe you. Milk. You don't need to try and persuade me. I believe you. That's what's in that glass. <laughs> it's 11 a.m. <laughs> so yeah. for, for those listening, I'm we're in Scotland here and it's seven o'clock in the evening and it's 11 a.m. Um, <laughs> where Alexandra is. So, um, okay. So, um, you know, there, there's, there comes that conscious time. So often people, when they, they, they head out into the freelance world and they decide I'm going to work for myself and I did it, you know, so my name was, you know, I went out as Andrew Dobie Design and Photography in the very early days. And within a year, you, get, you often get very busy. And then, you know, I realized I need to create a name. Now, Made Brave was the name that I came up with, you, you know, your business. Have you got any advice, I suppose, at the moment, a lot of people are being thrown into potentially freelancing for themselves because there are, there's a lot of people being made redundant, losing their jobs. I suppose for people, you know, is there, have you got any tips for accelerating them and helping them to find and shape that first name? Um, and something, I suppose, that's not going to stifle them either. Because as you know, sometimes when we start a business, you know, what we do has to change and flex until we find the right thing. Um, and and I, I'm, I'm keen to hear your, your advice, Alexandra. Sure. That's a great question. And exactly what happened to you happened to me where I... I grew, right? Like it started out just being me. And then suddenly I got really busy and I needed to hire people. So having a name that was bigger than myself really helped. Yeah. Uh, what I would suggest is definitely stop using your own name. Uh, personal names are often really hard for people to spell and pronounce and remember. 
and come up with a name. Like Andrew, you just said, you don't want to get locked in. So Mm -hmm. make sure it's a wide enough umbrella. And here's, here's an example. We uh, worked on naming this woman is a, a PR professional and her name's Lynette Hoy and Lynette Hoy didn't say anything about what she did. And she's a fiery kind of redhead taught loves to, she's really uh, on the press. Right. So yeah. I rebranded her fire talker PR mm-hmm. and gave her the tagline hot on the press. And so she's been able to blow out that theme. And that's what I call legs in a name. If your mm-hmm. name lends itself to a theme and you can extend your brand. So yeah. her uh, you know, she has, you know, package names like controlled burn her, she has a, a theme song, which is the Ohio players fire. And so she's really been able, oh, she calls herself the fire chief. She works in the firehouse. So that's what you can do. And like, and eat my words, like the pink refrigerator behind me, that's our icon. It's on my business card, which opens up. It's really cute. And that's where I I keep my cool books, by the way, it's a bookshelf. But, you know, we have, um, our blog is called the kitchen sink. So that's the type of fun, you know, our tagline is, you know, um, magnetic names that stick, or sometimes it's, you know, fresh tag names and taglines. You can fool around with taglines and change them. But if you have a name that lends itself to a theme, I would say that's the smartest thing you can do. Yeah. I I totally agree with that. I think I love that the the way you say that a name's got legs, you know, with, with, for example, if our business with made brave, it becomes so easy because you can talk about boldness, bravery, courage. There's so many themes that come off a name and, you know, um, yeah, I, I suppose, you know, is there, is there any sort of tips for how people can find those names that have legs, that have those themes? Like how, how should they start thinking about this stuff? Well, themes that themes can be like some good themes are, you know, magic, fire. Um, I think a good theme is, you know, like the outdoors is a theme. So just look around you, find things that are interesting. You know, skiing is a theme. There's so many different themes. If you just Google themes, you'll find yeah. you'll find ideas. Um, some other ones, uh, love is a theme or romance is a theme. There's there's just there's so many different uh, ways you can go there. Um, but I would say try to get away like sci-fi has kind of been overdone, you know, outer space. I would stay away from that. Astrology is that's been really done to death. So try to come up with something colors or themes. So try to come up with something a little more creative. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have a general sort of process that you you guide people through that, you know, when, when they're starting with that blank, that blank page and they've, they've, they've starting a business and is, is, is there a sort of process that you can help, you know, that you, you, you point people in the direction of to guide them through and how they, yeah. they should create their name? Yeah. Well, the main thing that I do, and this is all in my course, by the way, yeah. is you start by First, I have people do a bunch of creative exercises. So they're learning about themes. They're learning about imagery and uh, emotional connections and what makes your brand different and all of that. And then you'll fill out a creative brief. And that's Mm -hmm. the same one we use at Eat My Words. And you're going to be, you're going to write, you know, what are some desired brand experiences that you want people to experience? You know, who's your target audience? What are some name styles that you like and dislike? What are some words you might want to explore and avoid? So you're going to, you know, how will your name scale over the years? Because you need yeah. to look in your crystal ball and make sure that it will always fit. Um, then 
when you start to brainstorm, you're going to go through your creative brief and you're going to choose 12 starter words. Yep. These aren't names. They're just words that might inspire an idea. So mm-hmm. if one of the things that you want to convey about your brand, let's say that it's, um, let's say you're launching a, let's say you're fast. That's something that you're known for. You're very fast. Yep. So then you might ideate around the word fast, not using it as, as, in your name, but yep. you might look at imagery and like look at things that are fast, right? Go to a stock image bank and look up the word fast and you'll see conceptual words. So like the, the name Puma for the shoe, I'm sure that's how they came up with it, right? Puma is yep. a very fast animal. So that's what you want to look for. You want to look for parallels. Uh, metaphorical names are great names yep. uh, for that very reason. So that would be one way that I tell people to come up with ideas. Perfect. Perfect. And and I suppose, are there any pitfalls that, you know, we can help people avoid, you know? Yeah. Yes. There's seven main ones, seven <laughs> hazards. Um, the first one is spelling challenge. If your name looks like a typo, scratch it off the list. Um, you know, I can do this with your listeners right now. Like say, how would you spell the name? Uh, let's see humanly and they would or species and they would spell it the way it sounds but then i would tell you species is spelled s-p-e-e-s-e-e-s or humanly is h-u-a-m some amalgamation of wrong spelling so anytime somebody hears your name they're going to think to spell it how it sounds. So you want to make sure your name is spelled exactly how it sounds. That's huge. So don't add an extra word letter on the end or leave out a vowel. That's just, it's just going to be trouble. You're going to constantly have to spell your name for people. They'll get your email address wrong and won't be able to find you. Just it's annoying. Don't annoy your customers. Your name needs to be like a welcome mat, not like a do not enter sign. Um, copycat, you want to make sure that you're not having a name that's like everybody else's. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, stay away from like LY is your ending or there's some common, you know, ology is overused. Vana is overused is like a suffix. Yeah. Um, the, let's see, S, you have to always spell it out. S, R is restrictive. And that's what we talked about. You don't want to outgrow your name. Yeah. So you want to make sure that, you know, look in your crystal ball, like I said, annoying is the A in scratch. You don't want your name to feel forced. A forced type of name is like screencastify or schedulicity. It just tries too hard. It crams too much in. Be careful that you don't have like, if you have one name that has four or five vowels in it, like that's a problem. Uh, So when you're coining a name, for instance, there's definitely a right way to do it. And it needs to sound like a natural word, like Optima. That sounds like a real word. Or Pentium sounds like a real word where uh, Screencastify or (laughs) Yogalicious, right? Yogaology. Those are horrible names. Then um, the T in Scratch stands for tame. And you don't want a name that's flat and boring and descriptive. You know, your name needs to really make an impact and make that emotional connection. The second C in Scratch is cursive knowledge. And that's where it speaks to insiders. Engineers are guilty of this all the time. Like they'll know what something means, but nobody else does. And then the H is hard to pronounce. 
And people do this all the time. And there's so many things people do wrong where they're not even realizing, okay, one, foreign words, people pronounce them wrong all the time. Two, you might want people to pronounce your name one way. There's this company and they're named Nectar, but they spelled their name N-E-K-T-A-R and everybody pronounces it Nectar. So it doesn't matter how you want people to pronounce your name. They're going to pronounce it the way they think it's pronounced. Yeah. So don't use umlauts. Don't use accent marks. Don't do anything. Anything that's going to make your name difficult. Nobody wants to have to put a little umlaut. No one. Do you know how to make even make an umlaut on your keyboard? Nobody I don't does. even know what an umlaut is. I need to look. There you go. There you go. Um, and then and other mistakes to avoid, don't use CCTLDs, which are country code top level domains. So that's where people use like, like a dot us to spell a name like delicious, the bookmarking site that used to have a couple dots in it. They started the trend and then they, nobody knew, but they dropped the dots because they were so troublesome. They got rid of them. So look, add a modifier to your domain name. Nobody expects you to have an exact match domain name. And so many companies that you know didn't have an exact match in the beginning. Facebook was the Facebook. Tesla was Tesla Motors. Um, Dropbox was get Dropbox. Basecamp was Basecamp HQ. So you don't need, look, focus on getting an awesome brand name yeah. and just add a modifier. Who cares? Like nobody expects anyone to get an exact match domain name. Yeah. And, and do you think it's important to have consistency across all the social channels and domain name? So do they need to have the same modifier or do you think? Yeah, I would try to do that. Yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, um, I had a question rummaging about my head there when you were talking. Um, um, what was I What was I thinking there? My mind just went completely black. Um, well, I'll jump on here. I'll jump on a, another question we had here because we, we spoke to, we have some senior strategists at Made Brave and one of them, I asked them if they had any questions for you. Um, and Ross, one of our senior strategists, asked, what was your favorite name that you've come up with? You've obviously come up with hundreds of names over your time, but also what, what's your most favorite name that you wish you've come up with? Okay. My favorite name ever is a frozen yogurt franchise that I named Spoon Me. <laughs> I like and it. the name that I wish I came up with that I love, my very favorite name ever is a bike pump named Joe Blow. <laughs> and who and who who came up with that one? Do you know? Oh, oh I don't. I don't I have no idea. Well, if they're listening, well done. So you've got you've. <laughs> <laughs> um, and well, so we have another question from Brian, who's one of our copywriters on our team, um, and he says, "How have your tactics and techniques changed since your early days as a copywriter?" So I suppose how how have you developed and your, your the way you work. Well, something that's been great for me is I have 15 years worth of nameless that I can access now. So no project is never new. Like right now I'm naming something that's very small. I have named so many things that are very small. So I have dozens of lists. I can look, I have hundreds of lists of names, but like, I just know that I can go back and access all that I've done before, which is great. So it's gotten much easier for me. Another thing that's changed is the internet has so many more tools now that I use. And, you know, those are 
things I reveal when I, you know, in my course, um, and I show people how to use them, but you know, in the old days, I like, there's one book that I love and I used to have to look in a book, you know, this big, thick book. And now it's like all on the internet. Right. So that's been tremendous. It's just so helpful. And plus I've just gotten better at knowing where to find ideas. Yeah. So I, I suppose I've just remembered my question. Um, you know, th- there's lots of tools that you use. And, you know, of course, we would uh, encourage our users to look at your book and look at your new course. But I'm wondering, is there any tools out there that you could recommend to people that, you know, that are in that naming process or that, that you find useful that kind of, you know, that you can you can you can help with? Well, the very first place everyone should look is a thesaurus. And I I think that Look at, I mean, in my course, I, we go through this process of naming a frozen yogurt store and I just look for the word cold and which is a word I pulled out of the creative brief. And there's tons of ideas like right on the, in the thesaurus, like really great words. So it's in dictionaries too. look at online dictionaries. They often have words and synonyms. So phrases, so those are those are some ideas, um, book titles you can find ideas from. Yeah. So there's yeah, the internet is a pretty rich source of ideas if you know how to mine it. Yeah, and how, and how important do you feel as Alexandra to be able to trademark your name? Oh yeah, you should really trademark it. I mean, you don't. A third of the business that I do is with people that have gotten in trouble for trademark infringement. So, because they didn't know. And like, how would you know? Because if you've never named a company before, people just don't know any of this stuff. No one teaches it in school, really. So you do want to have your name trademarked. Um, You, you know, actually... Um, there's this really cool new tool online. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but if you sign up for my course, you get 60 days of free searches and they're normally $10 a search. So it's mm-hmm. very cool. It just, it just launched a couple months ago and I was lucky enough that they found me, but yeah, you do want to do trademark searches, have a attorney actually file the trademark for you because you yeah. need to protect your name. Yeah. Yeah. It's hugely important, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, I'm interested, you know, you, you work with brands all the time and, you know, your, you know, your brands, you know, the, the names that you come up with help build brands. And, you know, something I'm very interested in is that, you know, in this world, you know, it's, it's very difficult for people to understand what a brand is and what a brand is not. And I, I'm wondering if you have a definition of what a brand is in today's world or, or you could define or describe it in some way or another. No, I'm not even going to attempt that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to attempt that. Oh my gosh. Cause I know so many branding experts, right? Like yeah. you and everyone has a different definition, but I will say this, that your brand starts with your name. It really does. I mean, there's yeah. all the, there's all the ingredients that go into your company and everything, but if your name, think about your name, it's the first thing people will come in contact with, right? It's yeah. the first thing they see. They're either going to see it on social media or see it on a product shelf, or they're going to see it on your name tag at an event. So that's your first point of contact. Your name will get used more often than any other investment that you make in your brand. 
and it will last longer too. Think about your own personal name. How many times in your life have you said your name or has somebody else said your name or read your name, right? It lasts forever. I mean, think of a name of like Arm & Hammer baking soda, right? It's been around for a million years, right? So think of the longevity that's going to go into it. And that's why you want to put a lot of time into it. But if that's just the one thing you have for your brand, it will always be your name. So like with Spoon Me, the frozen yogurt store, we built the brand around the name. So before they even opened a, a store, instead of coming soon, the sign said spooning soon. And on the front door, it said, instead of no shirt, no shoes, no service, it said no shirt, no shoes, no spoon. And then um, they had spooning hours. And then they were in Utah where it's very uh, religious. And so it said no spooning on Sundays. So it was like very fun. So before you've even yeah. walked into the location, you already have an affinity for the brand, right? They yeah. had t-shirts like shut up and spoon me. They had so much fun with, with that name. Their bathrooms had graffiti in them that were like movie slogans that had a twist. So from Rocky, um, you know, yo, Adrian, let's spoon or um, from, Jerry Maguire, you had me at Spoon Me. So like, that's what you can do with a, with a brand name. You can just extend it. So that's why I think your brand does start with your name. Yeah, no, fantastic, fantastic. Um, and um, yeah, I suppose, um, you know, know, knowing yourself now and kind of where you've got to in your career, we have quite a lot of young creatives listening and, you know, they're just starting out and they kind of want to, you know, someone's maybe listening just now thinking, I want to do that. I want I want to do what you're doing. Have you got any tips or advice that you, you, you would give your younger self if you could go back now? Well, to my younger self, like how, how young? Just getting started. So you, you've just, you've, just left school, you've left school and you want to do this and I need well, to get started. Don't let anybody say, tell you, you can't do it. Cause people did say you can't, like I said, you can't just name things. And, and I knew that I could, you have to believe in yourself and surround yourself with people that believe in you. And if they don't believe in you, you really question your relationship with that person, honestly. And then just looking like I was luckily I was had good, you know, parents and always believed in myself and was encouraged. And I could always visualize myself being successful, you know, living in my Barbie dream house like I do, do now, having a swimming pool and, you know, driving a Porsche. Like I could picture all of that. And that really helped me. But I think starting out, uh, my advice would be try to meet older people in your, that, uh, you can ask for guidance. Older people are better connected. They know way more people than younger people and just ask questions, reach out to reach out to them and say, Hey, how did you start? Or can you, can you don't ever say, can I pick your brain? Cause people hate that. And don't ever say, can we meet for coffee? <laughs> Cause nobody likes that either. Like one time I was really impressed. I used to have a can of Diet Coke on my old website. And when you scrolled over it, like made the pop, you know, like the pop pop sound. And 
And this woman came, young woman came to meet with me and she brought me a case of Diet Coke because she had seen that on my website. So look, it's so easy to research people right now. Go yeah. to their website, go to their LinkedIn profile, see what in, they're interested in and make a personal connection. Do not do this every day. I get invitations on LinkedIn that are automatically generated and so robotic. Oh, I know it's the worst. (laughs) It's the worst. Like I hate LinkedIn now for that reason. Like I'll only connect with someone if they send me a personalized invitation where I can tell like they read my book or they, there's something about me, like a name of mine that they love that name, something, but make a personal connection, send an email that's not generic, you know, that's how you build build a real relationship. But find some people that you want to meet and don't make it just like, you know, the top 10 bloggers, you know, try to go for maybe a level or two down where somebody has the time to, yeah. to talk to you or maybe mentor you. And, you know, don't ask right away if somebody can mentor you because that's kind of like, whoa, I don't even know you yet. You know, let them offer to do that for you. And also be careful with that word mentor because it's kind of loaded for people that are really busy. But hey, if somebody wants to help you out, it doesn't need to have a formal label on it. Yeah, no, that's some great advice there. Um I was also thinking, you know, you've talked a lot about how we create great names and why a name's so important and why it needs longevity and why we need to kind of look into the future and make sure it's going to be robust. If I was listening right now, if I'm a listener and I've got a name and I'm suddenly thinking, oh, crap, my name is not good and that's the root of my problem here. Have you got any advice on someone who's who's grown a business, but they realize now that the name is holding them back or there's a change? You know, I suppose that re- renaming a company has a lot of implications, doesn't it? And yeah, I, yeah. I, again, I'm just interested in your viewpoint or if you could help or guide anyone that's in that situation right now. Sure. It's never too late to change your name. We just renamed a, a bank that's over 100 years old. Mm-hmm. And you have... so. Look at the longevity of your business. You have way more, especially if you're young, you have way more years ahead of you than behind you. So all of your future clients are going to know you by your future name. And your old name will be a distant memory. For those people that are your current clients, they'll understand. Because if your name is holding you back and it's troublesome and you say, like, we just, I can't say it, but we just got, we do so many great name changes. Um, But let me try to think of one. Oh, we, uh, we renamed this company. They were, they are a vertical farming company and they were named C. Jane Farm. And it, C. Jane Farm was in reference to the Dick and Jane books that elementary school kids read. But if you were over 30, you knew those books. But if you were under 30, you had no idea about Dick and Jane, right? Didn't make any sense. See Jane run. So see Jane farm, people were like, what, what is that? It was a head scratcher. So we renamed the company Plenty. And by the way, they raised $200 million in funding, which is the largest uh, raise for agriculture uh, tech company ever. And Plenty says is a word everybody can understand. It's global. It's feeding the world. It's not tied to a a book that people might not have heard of. So that was an example of a name change. I have I have on my website eatmywords.com. There's uh, before and after makeovers, and you can see them there. But 
after people change their name, they always say, oh, we wish we had done this sooner. That's mm -hmm. always, it's kind of like if you had a nickname in high school that you have like, or, or college and you've ditched it, right? Like distant memory. So, so I, I highly encourage you just do it. Um, the, in, in my course, I created this, I did this for a client and then I ended up like, Oh, I should just give this to everyone. So in my course, it's, I call it the mother of all spreadsheets. It's a rebrand checklist. And I was like 200 things where you might possibly need to change your name. Everything from, you know, your, uh, you know, post office box to your um, banking statements, everything like that. I mean, you won't need to do all of it if you're a young company, but if you're a huge company, there's a lot to do. Yeah. So that's, that's part of what you get in my course, but there's a lot of pros and cons to consider. And I go over those as well, but basically look, no one, there's always going to be the naysayers like you don't need to change your name. There's always going to be somebody that you don't please and names grow on people though. That's what you have to realize. We've done name changes where people at the company haven't been happy, but it grows on them. And then they can't imagine ever not having that name. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's so true. So, so what, what does the future hold for you, Alexandra? You know, you've just launched your course. I mean, first of all, where can people find that course? Um, if they're looking for it. It's at eatmywords.com. Just click on new course. Yeah. Um, I gave you a discount code. What did I get? Is it? Oh, you did send me a discount code. What I we'll did. do is we will, we just will. A chat. It's just a chat. Just a chat. So if yeah. you put in just a chat with you, get how much off your course? $300 off. $300 off. So there you go. Yeah, just a chat, all caps. And I think I'll do one for Made Brave. I think I have one for Made Brave too. So either one, all caps. Yeah. We'll drop that in the comments for anyone that's listening. So if you're listening on YouTube right now, um, or if you're listening on Instagram, we'll drop that code in the comments so you can find it. And Thank you. you. There's a, a really the fun course. video about the course at the top of the page. Um, I think, and there's all kinds of free bonuses you get, like the tr free trademark screens. I, um, what's next for me is I'm developing five webinars for Startup Grind. Mm -hmm. I'm doing that. I'm naming a really cool new uh, bread and just starting to get back into the swing of things because, you know, I took so much time off to work on this course and I'm just starting to come up for air. So I will be back at it soon taking on new clients. I pretty much stopped taking on new clients for a while because I've been so busy, but yeah, I'm looking forward to jumping back in. And I think we're starting to get, you know, I know COVID's still out there, but you know, it seems like the life is starting to emerge again. Well, here's hoping, here's hoping. Well, Alexandra, it's been so nice to have you on the show and thank you so much for, for taking the time out your day. Um, it's been a pleasure, as I say, I've been a big fan of your book, so it's a, a real pleasure for me to to meet you finally and, and hear um, more about your process. Um, if you want to support the podcast, please do rate us and write us a review and help us get the word out. It makes a huge difference to us. We publish a new episode on the last Monday of every month sort of usually so make sure you're subscribed uh, alexandra thanks so much it's been lovely to have you and we'll see you again next time everyone thank you